Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We're going to spend the majority of our time on a series of new rules implementing the Federal Acquisition Supply Chain Security Act. Yuan's going to get us started by talking about the first uh, two of those rules and some background. So Yuan, over to you. Thanks, Peter. On October 5th, the FAR Council issued an interim rule that prohibits the delivery or use of covered articles during the performance of a government contract. Now, covered articles is a defined term, and it includes certain IT and telecommunications equipment, hardware, systems, devices, software, and services that are subject to a Federal Acquisition Supply Chain Security Act exclusion or removal order. And there are also new obligations for conducting a reasonable inquiry at the time of proposal submission and for quarterly monitoring during contract performance. Now, the interim rule introduces three new FAR clauses. First, FAR 52204-28 requires contractors to remove any covered articles, products, services subject to an exclusion order when notified by the contracting officer. Second, FAR 52204-29 provides for a representation at the proposal stage, as well as procedures for requesting a waiver. Now, in particular, submission of an offer in response to a solicitation with this clause constitutes a representation that the offeror has made a reasonable inquiry into its supply chain and that it's not proposing to provide or use any covered article or any products or services that are produced or provided by a source if the article or source is prohibited by an exclusion order, unless, of course, it's been waived by the solicitation. Now, I'll turn things to Peter to talk about the last clause. Perfect. So this is the third clause, 52204-30. This prohibits contractors from providing or using in the performance of a contract any named covered article or any product or service covered by an exclusion order unless there's a waiver in place. The clause has a couple of requirements. So contractors have to review SAM, the System for Award Management, at least once every three months or more as advised by the CEO to determine if new exclusion orders apply to their supply chains. The contractor must conduct a reasonable inquiry to determine whether its supply chain is affected. If the supply chain includes covered articles under an exclusion order, then the contractor must provide notice and report to the government. If an exclusion order applies to a product in a contractor's supply chain and is to be or has been provided uh, to the government or used during contract performance, the provision requires the contractor to report that to the CO within three business days along with some basic information. And then there has to be further filings about steps the contractor is going to take. These requirements also have flow down implications. In other words, they must be flowed down to subcontractors, including for commercial products and services. So the clauses that we talked about, these three different four clauses are required to be included in all applicable solicitations and contracts, including those below the simplified acquisition threshold for commercial products services, or for commercial off-the-shelf items, so big, broad implications. And while the FAR Council acknowledges significant cost for contractors to perform the requisite supply chain diligence and monitoring, 
the FAR Council seemingly assumes that contractors will be able to leverage existing policies and procedures for other exclusions like Section 889 or the Kaspersky ban in implementing the supply chain management requirement. We've certainly heard from some companies that this is going to impose a, a rather significant burden, and there is much effort that's going to be required here for some companies. The Federal Acquisition Security Council and the order issuing agencies have not yet issued any exclusion orders. The expectation is that such orders will be identified in SAM or in some cases identified in and specific to the contract in any resulting subcontracts. So a lot to keep an eye on, a lot of questions, and we're working with a lot of companies on how to implement uh, these new clauses. Yuan, I'll turn it back to you for a couple other updates. Perfect. Thanks, Peter. So two more rulemakings. First, on October 10th, NASA issued a rule that amends certain aspects of its small business mentor-protege program in order to provide better incentives to NASA contractors that are performing under at least one active approved NASA subcontracting plan. The rule adds NFS 1819.7206, entitled Credit Agreement, on how a mentor receives credit towards its subcontracting goals against an individual subcontract plan. The rule also amends NFS 1852.219-79, entitled Mentor Requirements and Evaluation, and it amends the reporting requirements of NFS 1819.7212 from semi-annual reporting to annual reporting obligations. And second, on October 5th, the FAR Council issued a final rule to enhance whistleblower protection for contractor employees. The rule changes the prescription clause for FAR 52203-17, entitled Contractor Employee Whistleblower Rights, to apply to all solicitations and contracts, including those at or below the simplified acquisition threshold, and for commercial products and services, including cost items. Now, the new rule also clarifies that the prohibition against reimbursement for legal fees that are accrued during the defense against reprisal claims also apply to costs incurred by a subcontractor or personal services contractor in addition to a prime contractor. So contractors should be aware that anytime there is a major contract modification, the agency is required to use its best efforts to include FAR 52203-17 if that clause is not already contained in the contract. Peter? Great. We've got one more item. On October 4th, DOJ announced a new safe harbor policy for voluntary self-disclosures made in connection with mergers and acquisitions. In line with other DOJ announcements that happened recently that have focused on encouraging voluntary self-disclosures, DOJ adopted a safe harbor policy so as not to discourage companies with effective compliance programs from acquiring companies with potentially less effective or ineffective compliance programs. DOJ aims to incentivize acquirers to timely disclose misconduct discovered during the M&A process or shortly thereafter. In order to qualify for the safe harbor, an acquiring company must disclose the identified misconduct of the acquired company within six months of closing, regardless of whether the misconduct is discovered pre or post acquisition. The acquiring company must then remediate the misconduct within one year of the closing date. If the acquirer timely and voluntarily discloses the criminal misconduct, cooperates with the subsequent investigation, 
and proceeds with appropriate remediation, restitution, disgorgement, the requirer will receive the presumption of a declination. In other words, a presumption that DOJ will not criminally prosecute the matter. So this is a good reminder of two things. One, the importance of diligence, both before and after closing, and also about DOJ's emphasis and focus on voluntary self-disclosure. So a lot of important developments happening, uh, and we will wrap up for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes, brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. <laughs>